Good morning. I feel like there's just an excitement in the air. You guys look very energetic. <laughs> just them in the front. Uh, just like my husband said, my name is Mary Seekert. I get to be a leader here at Epiphany Station, and I'm so thankful for that, and I'm so appreciative that I have that opportunity. And um, I get to lead worship. I get to be a teacher. I get to be a director of a youth center. I get to um, be a wife and a mom. And I get to do all of that as a woman. And I'm so, so thankful. And so today, this morning, I get to say something. Was that cheesy? No? Okay. <laughs> so um, we're in a series, like Maddie said. Um, that's what she said. And what we are doing is we are looking at what God thinks about women and how God has called women. And we're doing that simply by looking at the Bible and what we find in the Bible and what God says we are in the Bible and, and looking at the women and what they did and what they said. And the more that we look at this and the more that we understand this and we delve into it and study it, the more that we see that God has called women to stand up and lead. God has led women to submission and humility to get stuff done. And God has used women to show reckless love and deep devotion to Jesus. And he's also remembered the ones that are brokenhearted and the abused. And so we're really excited about that because right now, I think as we are in this world and in this culture, it can be very, very confusing. And we don't know sometimes how to act, what to say, what not to say. We don't want to offend people. And because of um, feminism and sexism and oppression and abuse and all of these things, it's kind of chaotic and it's a little confusing and we're very unsure of what role we play. What role does the man play? What role does the woman play? And so whenever there's confusion, this is the best place we can go to. Because when there's confusion, this right here will cut through and bring clarity. Whenever there's chaos, this will come through and then will bring peace that passes all understanding. Whenever there's hurt or there's broken hearts, this will come and it will bring joy and healing. And so that's what we're going to do, is we're going to take a look at this right here. And so um, our core text is in Ephesians 2.10. We're going to read that together. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And that's our heart for every woman in this place and for every man is that we would know that we are the masterpiece. I think about my daughter and when she creates her art projects and she's like, da-da, look at this. That's her masterpiece. And we are God's masterpiece and we are all created differently for a purpose and for a different plan and a different role. And not any of us are the same. And God has called us all differently. And so what would it look like if we all truly believe that, that we are a masterpiece, even with our faults, even with our insecurities, even with our fears, God created us. The personalities that we have, the giftings that we have, he did that on purpose for us, and he has a plan. And so I want to um, just share with you a little bit of my background so you kind of know where I'm coming from. Um, I grew up in a very loving family, very Christian family, a loving dad, a loving mom, and for the most part, loving siblings. Mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't know, I didn't have a lot of awareness or understanding of um, sexism or feminism or oppression or anything like that because basically anything I, I wanted to do, the opportunity was there for me to do. And um, my first job was babysitting, which is super common. And I babysat two boys and I got paid a dollar an hour per kid. 
And so that's $2 an hour for most of the time. But sometimes one of them would go to baseball practice and it would be $1 an hour. It was not great. <laughs> but I didn't really care. It was fine because um, I didn't have bills to pay or anything like that. And so I was totally fine with it until I found out that one of my brothers was making $6 an hour doing farm work. And I was like, Dad, I would like to do that. I want $6 an hour. And to which he said, sure, are you willing to do farm work? Are you willing to do that? And I'm like, yes, definitely. And so um, that summer, actually, my uncle and his partner and my dad had a field that they needed mowed, they needed plowed, and they needed it to be planted with seed. And they said, hey, you want to do this? And I'm like, yes, I do. And so I did. I was super excited. Number one, because I was going to make $6 an hour instead of $1 an hour. That was really nice. Number two, I was excited because this is a little vain, but there was no cab on the tractor that I was going to use, so I was going to get really tan. I was excited about that too. And then um, the other reason is when you're on a tractor and in a field, who all has ever done field work like that? Oh, all right. You know what I'm going to say. You can sing as loud as you want and no one will hear you. Yeah. That's right. You can talk about whatever you want, as much as you want, and no one's going to hear you. And so that was like my crazy awesome time with God. And sometimes just by myself too. And I would just like, that was awesome for me. And so I'm like, this is my jam. This is my gig. I'm excited about this. And so in the morning, um, I didn't really know exactly how everything worked. And so my uncle, his partner, my dad, they would set me up on the tractor and they would say, all right, go. And so uh, just to give you a little idea, if you don't know very much about it, this is mowing a field. This is what it looks like. And that's not me, but just to have an idea. And the next picture is plowing a field to get it ready for the seed. And that's, again, not me, but it kind of looks like the same dog. I don't, I just noticed that. But anyways, so they would set me up in the morning and I would do the project, and, and I would just go. They said, you know, watch out for rocks, watch out for gopher mounds, whatever it is you need to do, just watch out for it. And so I would go back and forth, back and forth in the field all day long, sing my heart out, talk about whatever I wanted to, and it was awesome. And then um, by the end of the day, they would come, and they would get me and, and bring me home, and, and we would do that. And so, so it was a great gig, and it came time to plant the seed. And so this is what it looks like, a seed planter. That's kind of what I remember and um, my uncle's partner came to me that morning, and he got me set up, and he's like, all right, go. And so I'm like, all right. So I went all day long, back and forth on the field. And it was the end of the day, and my uncle came. And he was looking at the ground, and he kind of picked up some, some dirt, and he was looking at it. And I saw him, and he waved me over, and so I steered the tractor over to him, and I got closer. And he got up on the tractor onto the cab, and he pulled a lever, and all of a sudden, the planter machine thing started going, and seeds started to spread. And I was like, oh, no. I just went all day long, and I did not plant one seed. It was awful. I felt so bad. And I remember looking at my uncle like, hmm. <laughs> I was just like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, obviously, I do not expect you to pay me for today. I will pay for the fuel that we burned through. I'm so sorry. But he was awesome. 
he was gracious, and he just smiled. He's like, tomorrow's another day. It's okay. And so <laughs> I don't know how, but even with that mishap, he still gave me opportunities. And that's the kind of family that I got to grow up in, is even when you mess up like that big time, we still got opportunities. My brother started a construction business building grain bins. I went out and I helped him. I helped him pour concrete. I was not that good at that. That's very difficult. Um, but I helped him build green bins. And I still did babysitting jobs. I still did cleaning. I did all those things. I'm not a very good cook, so I stayed away from that. But I still did any opportunity that was presented to me because that's the kind of family that I grew up in. I was not looked down upon because I was a girl. And so... Um, just to give you an idea of that. And, I, and so I was not aware of anything that maybe I wouldn't be able to get a job because I'm a woman. Maybe I wouldn't be able to step into ministry because I'm a woman. Maybe I wouldn't be able to do this. None of that was in my head or in my heart until I got married. And I got married very young at age 19. And during that time, I was getting so fired up for God, like my husband said in that video. And I was just like, oh, I want to reach people for Jesus. I want people to know more about him. And what can I do? I will do whatever I need to do. And for me, that ended up being a lot of stepping into the spotlight and, and stepping into leadership of teams. And just because that's how God created me. And so it just happened. And so I was going for it. And I was doing these things. And all of a sudden, there's like this kind of wall that hit me. And it was hey, step back a little bit. You got to chill because your husband isn't doing that stuff. Your husband isn't getting the big ideas. Your husband is in the spotlight. He's not the one preaching, teaching, or leading worship. So you got to follow him. And so I was like, whoa, okay. I don't want to be dishonoring to my husband. And I don't want to be dishonoring to God. And so I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And so during that time, it was not good because what am I supposed to do with this passion that I have? What am I supposed to do with these ideas I keep on getting every time I spend with God? What am I supposed to do with that? And then I look at my husband, and you got to know something about me and my husband. We are very different people. He created us very different. I'm outgoing. I'm a go-getter. Anything with the letters G and O, that is me. Like, that's how God created me. But my husband, he's introverted. And he's a thinker, and he's in the details, and he's quiet, and he's a prayer warrior. But, that's, but none of those things are, are out front. Those are all kind of background things. And so I was looking at him, and I'm like, well, you must not be listening from God. Because I'm getting all these ideas, and you're not, and I have to stand back and do all these things. And it was frustrating, and it was causing huge problems in our marriage. And it was causing confusion. And like we said before, whenever there's confusion, this is where we want to go. And so this is where we went to. And I'll get to tell you about an amazing woman in the Bible. She lived here on the earth 3, 000, around 3,000 years ago, and her name is Deborah. And she was a judge. And we find her in the book of Judges in the Bible. And she was a prophet. And people in Israel would go to her for answers and decisions, and judgments. And when they needed a decision about something, they would go to her and say, what is God saying? Because God chose her to speak to, to speak to all the nation of Israel. That's a huge leadership role. That's a huge role with authority. And so we're going to dig into that right now. We're going to go into Judges 4. And this is just a crazy story. And the Bible is not boring. I say that all the time to my teenagers. I'm like, the Bible's not boring. Trust me, you're going to find out. 
And so in the beginning of this chapter, in, in chapter 4 in Judges, um, I'm just going to set it up for you. Israel is God's people. He loves them so much. Like he says all the time, you are my chosen people. I love you. But Israel sometimes messes up and sometimes they're all about God and they're like, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to love you. But then sometimes they kind of just turn their back and they're like, forget about him. And sometimes even doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And I think that sounds a little familiar. Sometimes maybe we're doing that. Um, but in the beginning of this chapter is where that's where they're at, is where they're doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So God was like, man, okay. And so they were in the hands of a Canaanite king, and they were being oppressed, and they were in bondage, and they were definitely not living in freedom. And so they were like, whoa, we don't like this. This isn't cool. And so they said, God, we need you. We want you. And the cool thing about God is he's always there for us. Even when we turn away for a little bit, as soon as we turn back, he's like, yep, I've been here. I'm here for you. And so when Israel turned to him and said, we want you, we want to follow you, he was ready for that, and he had a plan, and that plan included a woman named Deborah. So we're going to start chapter 4, verse 4. It says, now Deborah, the wife of Labadoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. Right off the bat, when I read that, I was like, oh, it got me. <laughs> because Deborah is married to a man. Deborah is a judge and a prophet with a huge leadership role and has authority. How does that work? And I was like, oh. That's amazing. I am married to a man, and I feel like I'm supposed to play a leadership role. And I looked at them, and I saw, wow, that is awesome. Because when I look at Deborah's husband, I don't think of someone who is weak. Because when I look at my husband, I definitely do not look at someone who is weak. I see someone who is a prayer warrior, who is a mighty man of God, who is someone that when I have a big idea, and God's like, ooh, you should do this, he's like, oh, okay, what's the details? What's the plans? How are we going to make this happen? When I have these big emotions and I'm all over the place, my husband is like, all right, let's, let's focus on God. What's God saying about this situation? And that's what I believe Deborah's husband was like. And I was, right away, there's freedom there. There's freedom for me to be who God's called me to be, and there's freedom for my husband to be who God has called him to be. There's freedom for Deborah to be who she's called to be, and for Lapidoth. And that's what we're saying. God has created everyone as his masterpiece. And he has a plan and a role for every single person. He has a plan and a role for Deborah, for me, for her husband, for my husband, for you. Every single one of us, he has a plan. And to be free in that and to not have bondage that you have to play this certain role, but that you would be free to play the role that God has called you to be, the masterpiece that he has called you to be. And so we're going to go on because it's not over. such a fun story. Verse 6, it says, One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinom, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. And she said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, which is the army that was oppressing Israel, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. And there I will give you victory over him. Can you just give me a hand for saying all those words? Thank you. That's right. Thank you. But this is what Deborah would do. 
God would speak to her and she would call that person in and she would say, hey, this is what God is saying. Go get 10,000 people. And this dude is awesome. This Barrett guy, he is smart and wise and he is bold. And he was like, all right. He didn't say, oh, you're a woman. I'm not going to listen to you. He didn't say, oh, man, that's a big, huge deal. 10,000 people, you want me to go collect that many warriors so that we can go and defeat this army that's been bringing us in bondage this whole time? He didn't do that. He was bold, and he stood up as a strong warrior. And he said, in verse 8, he says, I will go, but only if you go with me. Super cool. He did not hesitate. He said, I'm going to go, but he also was smart. And he says, I want you to go with me, Deborah. Why would he do that? It's because God was with her. God spoke to her. And he's like, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to go against this army, then I'm going to want someone who's going to give me instruction from the Lord. And I see that Deborah is that prophet. Deborah is that judge. And so she's going to come with me. I won't go unless she does. And so she says in verse 9, which I also love, very well, no hesitation at all, no hesitation. And she goes, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So that's what they did. They went together because they are God's masterpiece. Barak had a role to play, and Deborah had a role to play. And God had a plan and a purpose for them. And so they went together and they gathered 10,000 warriors and they went to the part of the land that I'm not going to pronounce again. And they did, and they stayed there until God said what to do. And also their enemy, the ones who've been oppressing them and have bondage on them, also got prepared and ready because they heard about this. And so in verse, let's see here, verse 14, it says, Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. And they continued to battle, and they won because God said they would, and he was with them. Uh Uh-huh. The Bible is not boring, so I encourage you to keep reading it. And there might be a part in there where a woman maybe murders someone with some camping gear. I don't know. But you should definitely go check it out. It's all in there. Chapter 4, it's there. Tell my teenagers all the time, like, this is the coolest book ever. Like, it's better than movies. So anyways, go check it out. And then in chapter 5, Barak and Deborah come together and they sing this song that they created. And they sing and they thank the Lord and they praise him for all the goodness that he has brought to them. And that's what they did because they are his masterpiece. In Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece... He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. God has a role, a specific plan for you. And one of my favorite things that Deborah says is, I will go. One of my favorite things that Barak says is, I will go. God gave him a plan, and they said they will go. And I'm wondering today... If we truly believe that we are God's masterpiece, what is God asking us to do and how will we respond? Will we say, I will go? There might be some people in this place today that have not, even, that have not made that commitment to Jesus and say, I'm going to follow you. And you might be feeling that and you're like, all right, it's time. I will go. No hesitation. 
There might be some people in this place today that, that just feel a burden to mentor someone. No hesitation. Say, I will go. There might be some people in here who are supposed to go after a promotion in their workplace. Will you say, I will go? Maybe you're supposed to take a leadership role in ministry. Maybe you're supposed to volunteer. Maybe God has stirred in you a plan for your family to start praying and reading the Bible together. If you've never done that before, it can be super scary and super awkward. But will you say, I will go? We're going to do something a little different today with your programs that you got. Um, There is a part in here that's the connection card. I want you just to rip that off. And we're just going to take some time. I want you to fill out your name. And in the part where it says, I want you to know, I want us to take a step of boldness today. And I want us to write, I will go. And some of you already know what that means. Some of you have already been thinking about this and praying about this. And I want you to take another bold step and write down what that is. What is it that God's asking you to do? Some of you don't know. You honestly don't know. You're like, I, I don't know. I, can't, I haven't heard from God for a while. I don't know what it is he's asking me to do. I want you to take another bold step, and I want you to write that down. I want help to know what God's asking me to do. We would love to be able to do that with you. We would love to be able to encourage you to go. And so when you're done with that, I would love you to put these in the red box. We have red box in the back and red box throughout the building. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come on up. And these are people who love to talk to God, and they love to listen to God, and they love to do that with people and help people do that. And so if you're needing any prayer today at all, I just want to encourage you to come on up. We're going to play some music in the background. And if you want to stay seated, you can do that too. They'll come to you. Just wait a little while. But they want to pray. And if you are having any questions about what it is that you want to go and do or what God wants you to go and do, but you're fighting hesitation or you're fighting not knowing exactly what to do, they would love to pray with you. And so don't hesitate. So let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much for everything that you do for us. I thank you, God, that you bring freedom. I thank you that you have called us your masterpiece and that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us, no matter what gender we are, no matter what circumstance we're in. Lord, we just love you this morning. And I thank you, God, that you continue to open up our eyes and open up our hearts to what your plans are for us. In your name, amen.